Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Network Reorient. Today we are joined by Dr. Hizr Mir from the University of Leeds who will speak to us about the alt-right and Islam. Today we are joined by Dr. Hizr Mir. Dr. Mir, you previously worked on Islam and the alt-right. Uh, could you explain perhaps what the alt-right is? Okay, alaikum, bismillah. The alt-right is a weird collection of disparate groupings which have all come together under, or who have all been put together, I should say, under this rubric called the alt-right. So you have groupings whose main focus is sometimes different things. So for example, you have the men going their own way, which is a virulently anti-feminist grouping and then you have people such as or groupings such as um, altright.com which was set up by uh, one of the main alt-right uh, thinkers uh, who actually coined the term alt-right which then itself is an amalgamation of different groupings who have different focuses, shall we say, some on political correctness, some on immigration, but all of these are obviously connected and they themselves have found the connections between all of these and therefore we call them the alt-right. Now, the alt-right itself um, would categorise itself as something with two parts. And I've seen this quite a bit in a lot of the what I call the intellectual alt-rights uh, writings in that they make a distinction between two parts of the movement. The first is uh, the alt-right itself, the true alt-right, which is what I call the intellectual alt-right, those who engage with deep philosophical issues, those who basically provide the theory and the thinking behind philosophies such as um, or philosophies that someone should be red-pilled into. Okay, and I'll explain red-pill as we go on to the next uh, grouping, which is the alt-light. These people are called the alt-light, and the alt-right use the alt-light as a gateway drug. The alt-light are those who red-pill people into coming to the theories and discussions that the alt-right want to have. So, for example, I'm sure you can think of many examples of alt-light figures. They're the more prominent uh, figures who are sometimes, obviously, incorrectly called alt-right, but their function is simply to bring people into that space, so various spaces such as altright.com, Countercurrents Publishing, um, Rebel Media, etc., etc., and it's there where the theories and discussions or dark web, the intellectual dark web um, collection of websites as well, where the deeper discussions can be had around, for instance, the revival of scientific racism, for instance, the uh, genetic tendencies that make someone a liberal or a conservative, um, all sorts of things. So this is basically where the alt-right is, and even using the term alt-right, it's not describing the full phenomenon, because it's only describing the intellectual 
part of the um, movement, the alt-light, there needs to be basically an overarching term that covers both alt-right and alt-light, and I don't think anyone has actually um, brought that forward yet, so <laughs> that's still something that needs to be done. Um, but yeah, as you can imagine, then it's quite difficult to describe what the alt-right is when it's only one part of a movement, sure. mm. according to their own thinking. You mentioned, uh, and perhaps you'd briefly explain this a little bit further, the idea of red pilling. Okay. Could you just uh, elaborate on that? Like okay. Please? So, the intellectual alt-right are very much concerned with something called, or what we call in sociological theory, the Overton window. So the Overton window is a term or a theory that states that there's certain things that society is happy to discuss and there's certain things which are off of the menu. Okay. The intellectual alt-right wish for us to shift the Overton window so some things become acceptable to talk about again. So for example, a big um, example of this uh, shifting of the Overton window, like not unrelated to the alt-right, but not completely unrelated, was when uh, Baroness Saida Varsi mentioned that Islamophobia has now passed the dinner table test. This is a signalling that the Overton window has now shifted and something is now acceptable. Okay. Now what red pilling does, red pilling is the individual moving of the Overton window. So when someone is red pilled, that means that they are now open to the theories, concepts, discussions that the alt-right wishes to have and to deploy. So the red pilling uh, meme or where you want to, obviously it comes for those who are familiar with uh, the Matrix movies, it comes from where Morpheus offers Neo the red pill and the blue pill, do you want to see the real world, which for the alt-right is the scientific racism, etc., etc., or do you want to stay with the blue pill in this fake, create constructed world of, according to the alt-right, liberal political correctness? Um, okay, so how, how is the alt-right different to other uh, right-wing groups that we've seen in the past? Um, what are the similarities and points mm, of departure? I think there's one major point of departure in that the alt-right and the alt-light are mainly online. Okay. And obviously this is simply because of the world that we live in today. Um, there's been very few physical expressions of alt-rightness, shall we say. In marches, I think you can count them on both hands. Maybe even it requires less than both hands. Um, so mainly the movement is online. I would... There's debate at the moment as to whether the alt-right is something new or is it something that's just basically a continuation and extension. The alt-right themselves, and this is written in quite a famous, um, or quite a well-read, I should say, alt-right manifesto page, um, see themselves as a reaction to the adoption of right-wing conservatism by liberal political correctness. So they themselves see themselves as not something new, but as going back 
to a true right-wing conservatism that current-day conservatives have lost. And this is where you get the uh, term conservative from. So this is the term that the alt-right uses uh, and the alt-light to basically describe current-day conservatives who are not members of the alt-right because they're basically cooks, as it were. They are simply... Uh, they've given in to the liberal political correct establishment and they're simply just parrot its talking points with a bit of a conservative tinge and that's about it. Um, in terms of theory beyond that, in um, like beyond what the alt-right, well, they say the theory as well, um, I would say that there's not much within the alt-right that's actually new. A lot of it still comes from the same Orientalist um, discourses. West is best and the rest are underdeveloped, unimaginative, and etc, etc. However, there are some exceptions to this. And I don't want to kind of get ahead of myself because I, I don't know how we're going to go. But suffice it to say that there are some within the alt-right now who are upsetting the old Orientalist notions of West is good and the rest is bad, simply because of their rebellion against, or their what they perceive to be a rebellion against the hegemony of liberal political correctness. So now they are taking from what who they perceive to be the other enemy of liberal political correctness, which is the Islamic hate. Okay, and that, I think that leads very uh, nicely to our next question regarding uh, the term Kekistan. I mean, you sp in your work you speak about Kekistan. Mm. Um, could you elaborate on what Kekistan is and the type of work that it does? Okay, so for this I'm going to have to go into the um, history of a fictional nation more or less. So Kekistan was invented by a bunch of Anons on 4chan. So just to explain that, 4chan is a forum which is basically the scum and where the scum and villains of the internet go to reside. Um, and they basically, everything is anonymous on there. So if you want to refer to someone on 4chan or people on 4chan, you call them anons. It's short for anonymous. Sure. Um, and so the idea of Kekistan started on 4chan and it was taken up by members of the alt, various members of the alt light, and it was only then that it gained prominence because obviously not everyone goes on 4chan, and so it was for uh, it fell to members of the alt light to basically propagate this idea. And the general idea is that Kekistan is or was a nation that was either in Egypt or present day of ancient Mesopotamia, I should say, depending upon which history you read, which basically followed the religion of Kek. So um, there was the saying, there is no God but Kek, and Pepe is his prophet. So Pepe was a frog, you may have seen, or people may have seen the frog meme that the alt-right generally uses. That, they say, was the prophet of this Kek religion. And so it goes that they were um, invaded by a neighboring nation, um, the Kukistanis, 
who then basically dispersed them and now they're a diasporic nation which are um, basically persecuted and they're immigrants and all of this. And obviously if you look into Kyrgyzstan more deeply you will see that the imagery, you will see that the some of the terms like the Ayalolas who are the heads of the Kek religion are all very Islamicly inspired. And here we are seeing the connection between the immigrant and the Muslim mm. coming out. And it's interesting because Kekistan actually is deployed to upset political correctness, especially around immigrants and whether we should welcome immigrants. So the thinking is, is that, oh, from the alt-right's perspective, is that immigrants are given these special benefits when they come, they're given, you know, housing and social benefits, etc., etc., and these are denied to whites, so we should become immigrants as well, therefore we'll be able to get all of these benefits as well. It's a very tongue-in-cheek kind of, obviously when you think about it, quite flawed <laughs> uh, conception, because anyone who has any nuance to them will see what the current state of immigrants is, both in Europe and the US. But yeah, this is the way that they think about Kekistan. It's deployed in order to stave off what they feel is the immigrant replacing the white. Okay, and then in that, in that sense you can see how um, it links back to how you mentioned it's a continuation of just previous racist notions. Of, you yeah. Know. Uh, okay, so... Uh, you also speak about the white Sharia, and that seems like okay. a quite interesting term. Could you explain, explain the white Sharia? Okay, so the white Sharia a meme was started by a prominent alt-lighter who's now probably give, been given status as an alt-writer, given that he's produced uh, materials on countercurrents publishing, which is a big alt-right um, publishing house, as it were. Um, so the white Sharia meme is basically, uh, I think I mentioned earlier on, how that there's some examples where some of the alt-right are actually upsetting the old orientalist, West is good, rest is bad, um, kind of setup. This is an example of that. Where what is said is that the West has become weak and flimsy because they've simply been outpopulated by the sexually virulent other, okay? And this is put down to a rigid patriarchy which only exists in Islam. So they view the Sharia as a rigid patriarchal construct which has basically helped Muslims win the population war, as it were, or the demographic war as it were. So what's said is that, um, and I'll quote directly, uh, I'll paraphrase because I don't trust my own memory, is um, I don't like Muslims, but if they invented the wheel, I would have no problems taking it from them. Okay. So whilst the authors of the white Sharia meme don't like Islam, they don't want their followers to convert to Islam, they simply want to take this patriarchal thing called the Sharia and make it into white Sharia. And so at Charlottesville, the, um, one of the main instances of alt-right presence on the ground, 
you found that uh, you had people chanting white Sharia now, white Sharia now, and this is a very anti-feminist um, meme. And so here you find, to just bring it back to my earlier point, where you have an alt-right member castigating the West for being weak and actually going to the rest for inspiration for making the West better in this civilizational fight, as it were. So the perception is that because Muslims are sort of patriarchal, yeah. there are elements of Islam that need to be emulated. Yeah. Okay, right, sure. Okay, and one final question, uh, Dr. Mir. You spoke about how the alt-right doesn't really have a presence on the ground. You don't really see instances where, you know, well, in the same way that, yeah. for example... Like the Ku Klux Klan, for example, which had many marches or other groupings. Sure, and in the UK, the BMP. Yeah, or, was, you know. yeah. Um, okay, but would you say then, actually, because most of their influence has been online, the alt-right may be viewed as even more pernicious than some of these other groups because there's a sense in which their narratives are almost, it's almost easier for them to impact the mainstream in a way that, for example, maybe perhaps the BMP or the Ku Klux Klan may have not. I think so, yes. Given that everybody now is online mm -hmm. um, and given that online you can hide yourself if you want to, there's VPNs, there's Tor, there's a whole host of ways of hiding yourself and obviously the alt-right has become quite proficient. I mean, that it, takes, it takes dedicated searching to find like the core of the alt-right. Obviously the alt-right everyone knows and everyone can find on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. Some of them have been banned, but generally you can find them. But to find the most pernicious things, they're usually locked behind a paywall where you have to pay to enter, or it's simply just on the dark web completely, where you have to use a whole host of methods to get there. Um, yes, this is very much pernicious. Okay. Very pernicious because it allows for radicalization mm -hmm. of... Um, people to occur without anyone really knowing that this radicalization is occurring. Obviously, if you see someone at a march, mm -hmm. you see them, they're there, you have proof that this is happening. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's just someone sat in their room looking at various websites that they've been introduced to and various incendiary materials, who's going to know unless someone checks their internet history or whatever like so yes I would definitely agree that this is a lot more pernicious and it probably explains why it's been a lot more successful um, to be frank than the BNP the National Front than all of these um, more on the ground movements um, yeah. and uh, final question do you think the alt-right has uh, impacted the rise of Islamophobia more generally um, I think Islamophobia existed before the alt-right. Um, the term alt-right was only coined in 2007, and I would say that um, the West has a history of Islamophobia. That obviously, the term Islamophobia was um, coined in the mid-90s by the Runnymede Report. Um, so, obviously, there's a history there. But I would say that there's a new form of Islamophobia which is arising. That's specifically, I'm referring to 
online behaviors, you know, the material um, online. I think, again, online Islamophobia existed before the alt-right became a massive thing. Um, I don't want to connect the rise of Islamophobia with just the alt-right. I think the environment before the alt-right came to prominence was right for the alt-right to come into prominence. There was something already there for them to hook on to that and latch on and then move forward. Sure. But I think... Um, now what we're seeing is that we're seeing the deployment of the Islamic hate and Islam as a form of transgression. Okay. And this is something that I'm writing about currently in an article, which I hope, inshallah, to finish soon, um, which I would suggest is an updated version of a certain strand of Islamophobia that was already existing. Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Me. Thank you. This has been another episode of Network Reorient. Thank you for tuning in. Please have listened to some of our other episodes and leave a rating.